0: Welcome to the Natural Health for People and Pets podcast, a show that aims to empower you with the knowledge and tools needed to take control of your own health and well-being, as well as providing health-promoting strategies for the dogs in your life. The world of health and nutrition can be overwhelming. So what better way to understand what works and what doesn't, what's evidence-based and what's not, than to hear it from someone in the know? So, please welcome your host of the show, accredited naturopath and nutritionist, Norell Cook.
1: Welcome back to Natural Health for People and Pets. I'm co-host of the show, Glenn Cook, and I'm going to introduce the host of the show, Narelle Cook.
0: Hi, everyone. It's been a while. I know. Like, I seriously can't believe that we're almost halfway through the year already. Mm. Time just flies, and it flies even more quickly when you're trying to build an empire.
1: So when I'm traveling around, I'm meeting people at different events and seminars and so forth. People are saying to me, when's Narelle going to put another podcast out? So tell people why it's taken this long.
0: I'm busy. (laughs) Um, I have every intention of putting one out once a month. Mm. Like that's always my intention. And then next thing I know, like I blink and five months has gone by.
1: So what you really mean to say is that CanineCeuticals has become more successful than what you imagined in a shorter time. And you have been literally running ragged trying to organize staff to help you with picking orders and, or packing orders and so forth and picking orders, I guess. But it's been very popular and that is great thanks to the people out there in the community who have gotten behind it, supported it. But more importantly, the fact that they're coming back in droves, and I mean Mm. droves, of talking about how successful it's been for their dogs and how much genuine relief they're finding when people are giving them bleak outcomes or no outcomes or no answers. People are actually coming back to you and saying, Narelle, thank you. You're a godsend. This is working. It's restored my faith in the fact that my dog can actually feel some relief now.
0: Canine Ceuticals really turned a corner this year in terms of growth, which has been amazing, but it does make it all-consuming for me and mm. it is still a seven-day-a-week job Yep, I'm trying to make everything work and happen. I do now have a small team around me, which is really exciting. I'm now able to offer consults, again, because I've Michelle
1: Oh yeah, tell us about Michelle. That's a new asset to the Canine Citicles group. We should get Michelle yeah. on the show and yeah, do an episode with Michelle.
0: That's what I'm thinking too. Like we'll do an actual like whole show to introduce Michelle to everyone. But Michelle specializes in herbal medicine. So mm. she's a human herbalist as well. Yep. And has been doing that for many years. So she's got her own clinical practice. So she is supporting me with emails. If you email us, you might get a response from Michelle. That's been a huge weight lifted, having that extra support, like customer support and consult support.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But, yeah, Michelle's lovely and we'll do a show where you can meet Michelle.
1: So speaking about shows, let's get on with the show because you've got a topic Mm. in mind.
0: But first, let's talk about our show sponsors. Ah, Sponsors,
1: yes, we've got sponsors. We can't forget our lovely sponsors.
0: The first and most amazing sponsor, Big Dog Pet Foods, they're an Australian company that have been manufacturing raw pet food for 20 years now. They only use human-grade ingredients. That's fundamental for me when it comes to dog health and nutrition, so that's really important. They don't add in anything synthetic or artificial into their foods. Their meals are nutritionally complete and balanced. So if your vet's got an issue with raw food thinking it's not going to be balanced, you can tell them it is. And what I love too is there's a really wide variety of different protein sources, including single protein options for dogs with certain health issues. So jump onto their website, Mm bigdogpetfoods.com. They've got an amazing resource centre full of articles and guides and frequently asked questions all around raw food feeding, natural diets and just general health and nutrition. There's actually a great article on their resource centre recently by Dr Duncan. Mm -hmm. He wrote about whether you can feed your pet raw food and kibble at the same time. Right. So that is actually quite a controversial topic online. And I'm not going to give it away, yep. but jump on to the Big Dog website, go to the Resource Center, look for Dr. Duncan's article, and you can find out exactly what the situation is. Like their Facebook page, like their Instagram page, sign up for their newsletter. They have amazing giveaways each month. And tune in to their podcast called Pause and Listen. They've had some really great interviews over the last six months Dr. Nicole Roos from Shy Tiger, yep. Ariane from Bell and Bone. There was me. Yep. Talking about stuff. Brittany, mm-hmm. the, the pet girl. So absolutely. All the um, power ladies in the industry. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. We go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Ariane, mm-hmm. our next sponsor is Bell & Bone. That's an Australian company as well. They make a range of dental sticks, collagen sticks, superfood treats, freeze-dried treats, and unlike many dental sticks on the market, the Bell & Bone range have actual real meat as the number one ingredient. There's a really popular dental stick on the market, which I won't name, but if people Google it, the top four ingredients are wheat, wheat flour, glycerin, wheat gluten, and gelatin, and then the rest of it is pretty much just synthetic vitamins and minerals. No good. Look, I look at the ingredient panel and I'm like, how is this in any way helping the dental health of our dogs? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Bell and Bone dental sticks, they contain active ingredients that have been proven to freshen your dog's breath and to fight plaque and tartar as well as having real meat and, you know, whole food ingredients instead of all the uh, synthetic vitamins and minerals. And as I say, every episode, you know, there's no point giving a dental stick without those active ingredients because it's like cleaning your teeth with just the brush and no toothpaste. So Mm. to get that maximum effectiveness, you need the mechanical, but you also need those chemical ingredients as well to do the job. So you can find Bell & Bone at your favourite pep store Australia-wide or go to their website, bellandbone.com.au. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get twenty percent off, because who doesn't love a discount? Yep, go to their website and enter the coupon code Ladybug. Oh,
1: Ladybug! All one word. I know I say that every time, but she's our she's our special yeah. little gimp.
0: <laughs> yeah, Our broken bug
1: yes. is what I call her Yeah, but she's doing great at the moment She's probably in the best spirits I've seen her for a long time
0: She really is manic like she's,
1: <laughs> Isn't
0: she? she? For her broken little body, she zooms around like a lunatic And she's happy She's really happy, yeah Little,
1: little secret about Ladybug, just while we're on her Every morning when I wake up, Narelle brings her in, puts her on the bed and we have five minutes where Ladybug just bites the hell out of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just gets up and has a little snuggle. Oh,
0: well, they love bites.
1: Well, it's a love bite. It's not biting. It's yeah. like nibbles and tickles. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. And no, she really looks forward to that every morning.
1: She does. All right. Now that we've properly introduced our sponsors, let's get onto the topic at hand. What is it?
0: We're going to talk all about organ meats. I want to talk about their health benefits. I want to delve into why I think we should all be incorporating organ meats into our dogs' diets. I want to discuss the specific nutrient profiles of mm-hmm. different organs and why you might at times choose one organ over the other. And in relation to that, I want to also look at how organ meats can provide targeted support to different areas of the body such as, you know, the immune system, kidney, pancreatic function, and just overall health and well-being. There's actually a lot that I want to get through. Interestingly
1: today. enough, when you look at how wild animals actually like predators they usually go for the organ meats first. That's the first thing that they start looking for when they actually take down prey is they start to remove and digest the organ meats first.
0: Yeah. But we should probably start with the definition. So everyone's on the same page of what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. The other point that I quickly want to talk about too is that you just importantly flag something in Bell & Bone, how she actually uses real meat in her product. Mm as you're a advocate for making sure that dogs are actually having proper meat in their diets you know like not just fillers and all sorts of rubbish that people are putting into make a product cheaply i think the thing and the scorn that i have there is that when some of the bigger name companies get involved in it it's more about bottom line and shareholder profits rather than is for health and well-being for dogs mm. i guess what people really need to do is when they're looking at product is not so much look at the expense of it because the expense doesn't indicate the actual effect of it. What they really need to do is have someone like you and other people in the industry point out to them what are the real nutritional benefits of some of the products on the market, whether they be a form of kibble or whether they Mm. be a dried meat version of kibbles uh, and whether they be the bone product that Bell & Bone do. Mm. I think the difficult and suffocating thing for so many people is they're just marketed away from the truth and that's very disheartening and very dishonest but people just don't know. They don't know what they're buying. They're impressed by very flash packaging. They're impressed by a lot of word salad that's put on product information without Mm. really knowing what it is that they're putting into their dog's digestive system.
0: Yeah, and that reminds me, you know, I did a little mini course on how to interpret commercial pet food labels Mm. and, you know, within that I talk about all the marketing hype and I sort of flag what has meaning and what doesn't have meaning. Most of what's on a bag doesn't have any standing or regulatory stance or meaning. Yep. That's still available on the Natural Health and Nutrition website. People can download that and watch that. It's only like a two-hour short course, but mm. really informative if you want to understand what you are giving your dog.
1: One of the areas that really still surprises me to this day is how poorly people feed pregnant females mm. or, or females that they want to actually you know, start doing a breeding program with or anything like that. That's always been a concern. I know I'm sort of leaping away from the topic at mm-hmm. hand, so I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna hijack it any further, but it's just been conversations that I've been having with friends and colleagues in the industry. When they go into breeding, they have no idea. And yet I just don't understand it. They're so overwhelmed about making sure that they produce these amazing puppies and put very, very little thought into the chemical bombardment that the female is going through and the lack of nutrition and the lack of support they're actually giving her during that time. And the reason I say that is because it's Mother's Day today. We're actually recording on Mother's Day. Yes, we are. And I was thinking about lactating females and females that are actually giving birth and creating life and creating puppies Mm. uh, and how – poorly done it is at that point in time, they're still eating very cheap foods. They're eating very cereal, dense foods. And there's just a lot going on that people don't put enough thought into. So being Mother's Day and given the topic at hand that you're talking about, organ meats, it just made me think about all these things. Anyway, I'm going to shut up because (laughs) it's your podcast. You go ahead and people want to hear about your information.
0: So I do want to start with a quick definition of what we mean when we say organ meats, Mm. often referred to as offal or byproducts. They include parts of an animal such as the liver, the kidney, spleen, pancreas, heart, brain, Like they're the main ones that people will be familiar with. And then, well, I know in the fresh food feeding world, we also break it down further into secreting and non-secreting organs. So secreting organs are those that, as the name suggests, produce and secrete a specific substance such as enzymes or hormones into the body or the external environment. And the non-secreting organs, on the other hand, don't. So to give some examples of secreting organs... So liver, for example, it produces bile. The pancreas produces pancreatic enzymes. The kidneys produce urine. The adrenal glands you know, produce cortisol, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the testes, the ovaries produce testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. And then examples of non-secreting organs are the heart, the brain, the lungs, the intestine. So they're not actually producing something and secreting it. So right. that's just a little... Tip for the different types of organ A organs. little tip. Yeah. Mm. But look, all organ meats are really highly nutritious, rich in vitamins, minerals, fats, amino acids, other bioactive compounds. I guess in Western diets now, most people find organ meats really unappetizing. Once upon a time, our grandparents wouldn't hesitate to eat fried brains or liver or kidney. Like that was just a really common part of the daily diet.
1: I remember it as a kid. Anytime I used to go over to my nan's, you could bank on the fact that you were going to get lamb's fry and bacon, which was lamb kidneys. Yeah. Bacon, there were brains on toast. Mm. So lamb's brains fried up with breadcrumbs on toast and stuff like that to yeah. disguise what they really were. Because we didn't know, I mean, liver's always got a livery taste, but Mm. anyway, back to you.
0: It's unfortunate that they are now overlooked as a valuable food source because they are so just nutrient dense. And, you know, if we look back at traditional societies, it was customary to consume like the whole animal, like that nose to tail eating. And not only did that maximize nutrition, but, you know, minimize waste as well. I mean, traditional medicine recognizes the therapeutic value of consuming organ meats and there's a concept of like, support, likes, or glandular therapy, it's sometimes referred to. And that suggests that consuming a particular organ will actually support the function of that corresponding organ in our own bodies or in our dog's bodies, which makes sense. So, you know, the brain is really rich in DHA, so that omega 3 mm. fat DHA which supports brain health. Like our brains need, You like during pregnancy and lactation and for puppies, like they've shown that supplementing with DHA during those stages of life has significant benefits for cognition and learning and Mm. neurological development. So feed brain, actually feeds the brain. You know, heart is rich in coenzyme Q10. And we know now, you know, the importance of CoQ10 for not only cardiovascular health, but all areas of health. And I know all about CoQ10. You do. I guess what I find strange is that people understand this when it comes to, say, joint health. A lot of dog owners might give their dogs a conjointin or a collagen supplement to support joint health. Mm-hmm. And conjointin is a component of cartilage, and that's why it's beneficial okay. you know, to give us a supplement for joints. Yep, We sort of get it in that regard, but I just find people don't think about, okay, my dog's got pancreatitis. I better give it some pancreas or well, my dog's got kidney disease. I better give it some kidney. Like we haven't figured it out, gone there, mm. which makes no sense when we understand like that chondroitin, which comes from cartilage supports the health of cartilage. cartilage.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense if nobody guides you to it. That's the thing is that you need a guide or a mentor to actually say to you, this is the resounding reason why you need to do that.
0: Yeah. Which is what today is all about. So I guess a question people might have is why do I even need to feed my dog organs? And I always like to start by taking a step back and, you know, we need to remember that from a nutritional perspective, the food that we're consuming today is very different from what we were eating or our family were eating 100 years ago. And this is highlighted in the USDA nutrient database. They've tracked over whatever period of time, 70 years, 100 years, the decline in vitamins and minerals across- In
1: meats as well, like um, uh, meats and vegetables. Yeah,
0: fruits, veggies, meats. And it's scary. Like when you see the percentage reduction in vitamins and minerals in the foods that we're consuming, it's just really scary. I mean, and there's lots of reasons for why our food is so depleted these days, which I'm not going to go into. Go
1: into it briefly. Don't go into it intensely, but just Mm. go into it briefly.
0: Okay, so you've got modern agricultural practices that prioritise high yields and fast growth Mm -hmm. over nutrient density, the use of synthetic fertilisers and pesticides that disrupt the soil health, even the transportation and storage of produce because things can sit in cold storage for 12 months and beyond. Mm. So that's going to degrade or deplete nutrient levels. They're the key things that have impacted the quality of food, but it's mostly around that intense farming practices and disruption of soil health.
1: It's terrifying Really terrifying what speed and profits are doing to health.
0: Mm. And even not just like fruit and veg, but, you know, even intensively farmed animals, the way they just try and get them as pumped up as quickly as possible to move them on and make a dollar. Mm. Yeah, it's just not good. The other thing is most dogs are consuming a highly processed kibble diet and the majority of kibbles, you know, it's just aiming to meet the minimum standards of nutrition and unfortunately many are even falling short. that. So these diets will help to keep our dogs alive, but I absolutely don't believe that they're providing optimal levels of nutrients that our dogs need to thrive. And particularly, and I'll talk more about this as we go through the podcast, particularly if you've got a high level sporting dog or a working dog that it's like an athlete, you know, you need a higher level of nutrition for optimal performance when you're working at that level of intensity.
1: It's great to see people like you and Sasha Parker and Brittany Young and many of the others who are actually blowing a whistle on this and, mm. you know, exposing it to people and saying, this is what's happening. Because as I said before, I wouldn't have known. I consider myself reasonably well-informed. I like to read. I like to be involved. I mean, for a long, long time since the introduction of these super premium dog foods, there has been a lot of misguided truths about what people are actually putting into their dog's stomachs.
0: That's the other reason why I wanted to talk about organ meats today and their nutritional profile because it can be kibble, it can be raw food, it can be cooked food options on the market, but most of them rely on synthetic vitamins and mineral premixes to make the food nutritionally complete and balanced. And synthetic nutrients, you know, they're artificially created. They're not completely identical to the equivalent nutrient found in whole foods. So while they might have a similar chemical structure, they lack that complex combination of, you know, all the other vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and other bioactive compounds that are present in whole food and which work together synergistically to really allow for optimal absorption and and bioavailability and utilisation by the body. So you just don't get that same effect with synthetic nutrients, which is why I always come back to food first. I do have to say organs aren't essential. I'm going to tell you why you should be feeding organs, but you can still feed your dog a nutritionally complete and balanced meal without organs. And there are certain breeds of dogs that genetically need to avoid organ meat. So Dalmatians, Mm -hmm. for example, their genetic variation means that they need to avoid high purine foods and organs are high in purines, but it's hard. So the average pet owner, I think would struggle to make their own home prepared meals, whether raw or cooked, without organ meat and get it right.
1: So what happens to Dalmatians, for example, if they eat too much organ meats?
0: It predisposes them to bladder stones. Right. The purines get metabolized and broken down. And the variation is it doesn't get broken down to the extent that it should. I think it's Dalmatians. It's the same with humans. So there's like a step missing in that process, which causes a buildup. And I haven't read about this for a long time, so I feel a bit on the spot. But bottom line is too high purines in the diet will likely trigger bladder stones in Dalmatians.
1: So what's the alternative for them then?
0: Well, I guess a lot of the time they will have to rely on synthetic vitamins and minerals mm-hmm. to sort of cover all bases. I mean, you can get vitamins and minerals from other whole food sources, but you, you do need to know what you're doing and often you need to feed a higher volume of food to get the right levels in because, okay. you know, organ meats are so nutrient dense in such a small amount that it makes it really easy, which is why organ meats are referred to as the multivitamin of the animal world. Right. So let's have a look at some of my favourite organs. Mm -hmm. We'll start with liver. So liver is one of the easiest organ meats for people to access and buy. It's actually one of the most nutritionally dense foods on the planet and it's far more nutrient dense than the same amount of, let's say, red muscle meat. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do, I'll touch on the the nutrients that liver is rich in, like the, the top ones, and the health benefits that come with that. I won't do that for every organ, but I'll spend a bit more time doing that with liver and then we can just skim through the other ones a bit more quickly yep. because the benefits will be the same for the various vitamins and minerals. Beef liver is really rich in vitamin A.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's essential for normal vision, immune function, reproduction, skin health. And when we look at immune function – It plays a really fundamental role in the production of a compound called immunoglobulin G, or IgG is the abbreviation. And that's an antibody that plays a key role in the body's defense against external pathogens. It's the same with us. It's the same with our dogs. So if you've got a dog that's prone to recurrent infections of any kind, adding in a source of liver to boost their vitamin A might just be enough to sort of help with that. Right. Beef liver, it's rich in all of the B vitamins, but particularly folate, so B9 and vitamin B12. B vitamins, you know, they're important for the nervous system, for brain function, red blood cell production, DNA synthesis, but they're particularly important if you've got a dog prone to stress and anxiety. And I know I've spoken about this probably in the behaviour podcast, talking about diets, Mm. the impact of diet on behaviour. Yes. So the more stressed we are or the more stressed out and anxious our dogs are, there's certain biochemical pathways in the body that get upregulated that are producing those stress hormones. Mm. The thing is, there's a lot of nutrient cofactors that are needed to fuel those biochemical pathways. And when they're operating a lot more quickly, you're burning up, you're using up those nutrients that are part of that process. And the B vitamins are a big part of those biochemical pathways that get activated when we're stressed or anxious. So we need to consume higher amounts to bring things back into balance. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because if you pick up any human stress supplement off the shelf, what is it always got in it?
1: B vitamins.
0: Yeah. So you Blackmores Executive B yep. st- stress formula. Mm-hmm. So anything for stress, it's full of B vitamins because that's what our bodies need more of during those times. So if you've got a stressed or anxious dog, liver, beef liver is going to be helpful yep. for covering those B vitamin bases and vitamin B12 is really important for dogs with chronic gut issues such as inflammatory bowel disease. Beef liver is super rich in zinc, mm-hmm. which is a powerful antioxidant. I don't think dogs get enough zinc. I can't justify it, but I've just it's a gut feeling from everything I've done over the years with humans and dogs, but I think our dogs aren't getting enough zinc in their like their average diet.
1: And that's very important for male dogs especially, right?
0: Yes. Male humans, male dogs.
1: I know you're always on to me about making sure I've got enough zinc in my diet.
0: Yeah. So zinc, it's needed to support immune health, skin health, the nervous system. I love it for dogs with allergies. Again, it's great for dogs with any anxiety or behavioral issues. So, you know, there's a lot of research around zinc and behavior.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I assess a lot of diets. Unfortunately, a lot of home-prepared diets often contain suboptimal levels of zinc. And if you've got a dog that's also got a lot of grain in its diet, some of the anti nutrients such as phytate in grains will bind to minerals such as zinc and make them less available to the body. Mm -hmm. And that's why most world health organisations in their standards will say that vegetarians and vegans need to consume higher amounts of minerals such as iron and zinc because there's so much plant matter in their diet Mm -hmm. that less of those minerals are available to the body. So they need to eat more. To compensate for that. Uh, beef liver is rich in iron and the great thing is that the iron found in beef liver is in the form of heme iron, which is the most easily absorbed form of iron by the body compared to non-heme iron, which is found in plant-based foods. And how dogs need adequate iron, like we don't often think about anemia with dogs, but it is the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we need adequate iron for attention, concentration, memory. So I think it's really important for dogs for obedience, for sporting, for working dogs. And just, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. for general
1: intelligence.
0: Yeah, and just to feel energised. We need it to feel good. I haven't looked into this yet, but I'm really curious because we know with endurance athletes in particular, they can be prone to anaemia for several reasons. And one of them is hemolysis of the red blood cell. So that's like a mechanical rupturing so how do I explain this? During intense exercise, the red blood cells pass through capillaries in the contracting muscles, but the force of the contractions during exercise can actually rupture the red blood cells. Right. So it sort of destroys them. And red blood cells can get compressed as you're running, like the soles of the feet, you know, the capillaries in your feet as they're pounding the footpath is compressing red blood cells and can be damaging them and rupturing them. Mm. That can decrease the total number of red blood cells in the body. And also... During intense exercise, blood is diverted away from the gastrointestinal tract and pumped out to the extremities because we need our muscles to be operating. But they believe that over time, like that reduced blood flow to the digestive organs can actually cause some injury and some very low level bleeding. It's not to a level that you'd notice, but it can contribute to anemia. That's all in the human space. But I would love to know if that's also the case for dogs. And I can't imagine that it would be much different. Like the mechanisms, I think, you know, they've got to be similar. In which case, if you do have a really high intensity sporting dog or working dog, is there a potential for that low grade anemia to come into play? In which case, adding in a source, like a really highly bioavailable source of whole food ions, such as beef liver, Mm -hmm. I think would just be like a no brainer. Like why wouldn't you do that? But I don't know. I've got to look into the, the animal.
1: Well, if anyone has the sciences on
0: it, Mm. bring it forward. Yep. Let me know. Another mineral that beef liver is really rich in is copper. We don't often think about copper, but it's key in activating, you know, certain enzymes in the body, Mm -hmm. regulating energy production, iron metabolism, brain function. Again, most home prepared diets would probably contain suboptimal levels of copper, particularly if owners are just relying on chicken liver, for example. So even between like beef liver, lamb liver, chicken liver, different animal livers, they do contain different nutrient profiles. Mm. So it's quite extreme with chicken. So beef liver has 9.8 milligrams of copper per 100 grams. So that's 9.8 versus 0.5 milligrams from chicken liver.
1: Oh, that's really quite low.
0: Yeah, so you can see where people might get into trouble with that. But suboptimal copper intake over time can cause skin and coat problems, dry skin, hair loss, dull coat, depigmentation. You can see neurological symptoms like seizures or ataxia, immune system dysfunction. Copper is really important for connective tissues such as cartilage. So suboptimal copper deficiency over time can also contribute to joint problems and joint pain.
1: I know in the Rottweiler world, that some of the Rottweilers used to get like a reddish tinge on them from time to time Mm. and just a shabby-looking reddish coat. And the ones that were doing that were coming back with low copper concentration in their blood work. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and that was years ago. Like I'm talking 25 years ago when uh, my great vet that I used to have then, Dr. Murray Clark, Mm. you remember Murray? Yeah. Yeah, Murray was very big on because he was a very old-school country type of vet, but he was very good on health and well being eating raw foods, he was actually one of the first people actually promoted raw eating to me back in the day. When I was looking after the kennel dogs, he used to say make sure that you're actually giving the dogs raw meats and bones mm. and offals and things that you're yep. talking about. But Murray was the one who really pointed out copper deficiencies in dogs. It was him that was doing the read on these dogs because he was the Roddy man in the area mm. and he said make sure that if you do start seeing this look in your breed, he said copper is one of the first ones but, you know, still needs to be diagnosed.
0: Yeah. So interesting. It is. Fascinating. Yeah. I'll just touch on one more nutrient for liver, then we'll move on. So beef liver, it's one of the most concentrated sources of vitamin K2. So K2 has been shown to activate the protein osteocalcin Mm -hmm. and other complexes in the body, and they work to support both bone and dental health. And this can help to reduce like, age-related bone mineral density loss. This is another little bugbear of mine. We tend to accept that disease in general, but also joint disease is just a normal part of- aging. Mm. But there's so much that we can do to reduce the risk of that developing. And a classic example is with the, oh, I'll probably get the name wrong. The acronym is NHANES. So it's an American nutrition survey where they survey like just tens of thousands of people every few years, just to pick on calcium, because we're talking about bones. They found that like 80% of teenage girls aren't hitting the minimum Requirement for calcium in their diet each day. But I bet you, if you spoke to those parents or that girl, they'd be like, Oh, yeah, we have a wide variety of different foods. And yeah, you know, there's no way that she wouldn't be getting enough calcium. But 80% of teenage girls weren't hitting the minimum calcium. And then we think it's normal to have osteoporosis when we're 70 or 80. Mm. But who's looking at the diet of the teenage girl that's lacking? We can avoid osteoporosis when we're 80. Yeah, but
1: look at the diets that people are actually having. Like, look at what they're eating. It's
0: well, exactly. fast
1: food, fried food, sugars, and it's just an abundance of all the wrong things.
0: But there's so much we can do for ourselves and our dogs from a dietary perspective to avoid a lot of that chronic degeneration and disease mm. that, that we accept as normal yep. because everyone wants to eat what they want to eat and drink what they want to drink. And all right, we'll get off that one. Yes. Um, sorry. <laughs> Liver's become really big in the bodybuilding arena and just generally it's taken off in the last few years in the human spaces as a supplement and it's believed to have stamina boosting properties. There was an experiment done quite a few years ago now, it's probably one of the first studies looking at why liver actually does have stamina boosting properties. They got three groups of rats and there was 12 rats per group and they were trying to figure out if If it was just the B vitamins in the liver Mm -hmm. that was providing the energy source. With the first group of rats, and they subjected the rats to what's called a stress test with rodents. And this is quite common. The stress test involves putting them in a barrel of water that they can't escape from and they just have to swim. Mm -hmm. So that's the stress test. With the first group of rats, they weren't given anything. The second group of rats was just given isolated B vitamins. And the third group was fed powdered liver. The group that wasn't fed anything, they swam for an average of 13.3 minutes. The group fed the B vitamins swam for an average of 13.4 minutes. Same, same. Mm-hmm. But of the 12 rats that were fed the powdered liver, one swam for 63 minutes, one for 83 minutes, one for 87 minutes. And then the other remaining nine rats were still swimming after two hours and they stopped it at wow. their- So one to two hours versus 13 minutes, and the only difference was they got liver. Mm. So if you're feeling run down, grab yourself some liver and definitely give your dogs.
1: It's funny you say that when you talk about those types of studies and the correlation between synthetics or isolated versus the real food, the Mm. real product. Do you remember Dean Mather? Yep. So Dean Mather, for the people who don't know him, he was an old friend of ours and he was probably one of the first natural paths that mm. uh, he was a he was a security guy. He used to work me in a security company, but Narelle and I used to go and see Dean. And Dean was a very well informed person in natural health back then. And he was talking about the same sort of study. And I remember that it was a it was to do with apples, and there was a process where there was a removal of us or a synthetic that science was trying to introduce by taking it out of apples and then giving it to people and then realizing they're not getting the the nutritional uptake they need. And therefore they said, just eat the apple. Mm. And that's, you know, effectively where a lot of the saying was an apple a day keeps the doctor away. So what they realized was the skin and the actual flesh of the apple was far more concentrated in what they were trying to do. But it wasn't just that. It had a, a cumulative effect of what it was trying to do and I don't know the actual study, so I'm just mm-hmm. babbling along. On I remember Dean and I having this conversation, but he said when they tried to isolate it, it didn't work. It Basically, mm-hmm. it just didn't function because the apple, what nature intended it to be, was where the source of the energy or the, the health requirement actually came from. Even though I don't recall the actual study or the intense detail of what Dean went through, I remember him saying that because they tried to pull it out of the apple, it just had no effect. And I guess the reason why I'm bringing this up is it reminded me of the story you just Mm. told me about the rats or told us about the rats. It's very, very similar to that story that Dean told us.
0: Yeah. And it's like I alluded to earlier, like whole foods, we don't know how all of those components in the foods are working synergistically together. Mm. So we think we can just pull something out and isolate it and it's going to have the same benefit. But you know, in a lot of cases, it's just... It
1: doesn't work. It doesn't
0: work that way. It's not that simple. So whole foods. As a, The challenge for me as a, particularly a human naturopath is I would love for everyone to eat whole food versions to get their nutrition in, but people have certain taste preferences. And, you know, if I said to someone, you need to eat liver every day. Um, well, I guess it's different with liver because you can get liver capsules, so you could take it that way. But I often have to rely on synthetics, mm-hmm. like isolated synthetic supplements, because people aren't prepared to change their diet and eat the foods they need to eat. So mm. it, it can be challenging. Luckily, working with dogs now, more more so, you know, most dogs just eat what they're given.
1: Interesting enough, Opie, mm-hmm. our French bulldog, our old male one,
0: mm.
1: he prefers to have a liver, it's lamb liver, is it, that he prefers to have?
0: Yeah, I, I rotate through them, so he can be a little bit fussy with his food, but if I sprinkle one of the freeze-dried organ powders over the top of his he, food. He
1: starts snapping into it.
0: Yeah, he hose into it. <laughs> So while we're on liver, and I know I am talking a lot about liver, but it's because most people feed liver and some of the other organs not so much, is to talk about the safety of it. So liver has so many amazing health benefits, but there are two main concerns or cautions that tend to be raised when it comes to consuming liver, and they are that it can contain toxins Mm -hmm. and it can contain very high levels of vitamin A that can then produce a toxicity. If we have a look at the toxin side of it first, yes – The liver is an organ of detoxification and it works to break down toxins. And the way it does this is through like phase one and phase two detoxification pathways. But the whole point of those two pathways is to break a toxic compound down, transform it into something that's safer, and then excrete it from the body. So the liver, it's not holding on to a lot of toxins generally. Like if it's working well, those toxins should be passing out and the way that it removes those toxins from the body is through the bile, which is through the faeces or, or the urine. But the other thing that happens, rather than things getting stored in the liver, the body sequesters toxins and puts them in other organs and tissue, so the bone particularly and the fat tissue. We know that now and there actually oh, – there was something I was reading a little while ago that some of the symptoms related to menopause – might actually be when women get to that stage and bone density starts to break down, that's releasing lead into the circulation and that may be contributing to some menopause symptoms, which is scary and fascinating all at the same time.
2: Mm.
0: And it's why you shouldn't lose, if you've got a lot of weight to lose... Don't lose it quickly because the fat tissue is a key storage area for all sorts of toxins and pollutants. Mm -hmm. So, when you lose a lot of fat very quickly, those toxins get released from the, the fat cells back into circulation, and that's the liver's got to deal with that again. Right. So, people can feel just blah like just they feel tired, they get headaches, they might get skin breakouts. So, you know, that's one reason to go slow with weight loss. But having said all of that, there are studies that show that the liver can accumulate heavy metals. Mm. So there was a study that assessed liver, kidney, and muscle meat from cattle, sheep, and chickens from various farms. The study was done in Pakistan. And they found that all three tissues accumulated significant amounts of certain metals, and particularly arsenic, cadmium, mercury, nickel, and lead. But remember, it's not just they looked at those organs, but Heavy metals can be in any part of the body, like the fat and the bone as well. But my point is, like, this is why it was so important to me in sourcing the organs for canine that they were organic mm-hmm. and they were grass-fed and finished, that they're free of hormones, they're free of pesticides, they're non-GMO, just to ensure that our dogs are receiving like the absolute best possible nutrition while avoiding potentially harmful toxins and contaminants. The problem is there's no avoiding paying a premium price for that sort of quality. Yep. What I also love is that the manufacturer that I source the CC organic freeze dried organs from, he tests every batch for both microbial contamination mm-hmm. and also heavy metal contamination. So I know without a doubt the purity of the canine freeze-dried organs is second to none.
1: And he's a great source of information for you too, isn't he? Like whenever you've got a question, yep. he uh, provides the science or the the backup for it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's his passion. It's what he does in creating the freeze-dried product. Yep. So if i have ever got any questions or if I want to study on something, he'll just shoot it my way, which is great. Fantastic. So that's the toxicity side. Heavy metals can be a problem if you're sourcing cheap organs from somewhere random. And then the second main concern with uh, when it comes to beef liver is vitamin A toxicity. But, you know, when I looked into this, most of the toxicity issues come from synthetic vitamin A mm-hmm. because they've been shown taking too much synthetic vitamin A can contribute to birth defects. So, pregnant women are advised to avoid consuming supplemental vitamin A in mm-hmm. particular. But natural vitamin A, such as found in liver, tends to only cause problems when consumed in extremely large amounts. For example, they found that in children, after taking a single dose of a synthetic vitamin A of three hundred thousand international units, or a daily dose of sixty thousand international units for a few weeks, that caused problems. But then once they stopped, the reaction, the adverse reactions, went away.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In adults, vitamin toxicity is really mostly reported in Arctic explorers after they binge on polar bear or seal liver. Right. In that case, that's several million international units of vitamin A that was reported to have been consumed. Wow. Once they stopped, everything went back to to fine. Mm -hmm. So the main concern, you know, when we're talking about dog nutrition is synthetic vitamin A in dog food because mistakes can be made during manufacturing. We've seen it multiple times with vitamin D toxicity in dogs. There's no reason why that couldn't also happen with vitamin A. But actual hypervitaminosis A, which is vitamin A toxicity, it is rare in dogs. So the upper limit of vitamin A for dogs is 62,500 international units per day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's say we've got someone who follows the BAF ratios of raw food feeding and they're feeding 2.5% body weight and 5% liver. A 20 kilo dog would only need around 25 grams of liver per day, which is around four to 6,000 international units of vitamin A, depending on which source of data you're looking at. So that's four to six thousand, whereas the upper limit is sixty-two thousand. So a lot of wriggle room. Yep. That's why I say you know even if you're feeding your dog a nutritionally complete and balanced food, there's no reason like that you can't add supplemental liver on top of that and Mm -hmm. still stay well within that safe range. Yep. Had enough of liver.
1: Yeah. Let's move on to some of the other items.
0: Kidney, also very popular, easy to find. It's rich in many of the same vitamins and minerals as beef liver. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to talk about those. What I will highlight is that it's an exceptionally high source of selenium. So much higher than any of the other organs. Mm -hmm. Selenium, it's a really potent antioxidant. It helps to protect cells from damage caused by free radicals. It's critical for immune system function. It can help to protect the body against infection and disease. It's needed for the thyroid gland. Mm -hmm. So a lot of dogs are prone to hypothyroidism or an underactive thyroid. Yep. So selenium is really important in the diet to support thyroid function, essential for normal reproductive health in dogs. And a deficiency of selenium can lead to problems such as infertility and low sperm count. Okay. And it's needed for maintaining healthy muscles. So Again, a deficiency over time can lead to muscle weakness and atrophy.
1: So something very good for males.
0: Yes. So mm. most prenatal pregnancy vitamins or preconception vitamins for men will absolutely be...
1: Selenium and zinc.
0: Selenium, zinc and coenzyme Q10. Yep. Get those swimmers going.
1: Okay. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you also contains several bioactive compounds such as enzymes and other cofactors that have been shown to support kidney and urinary tract health. Mm -hmm. And one of those that I particularly like is called diamine oxidase, or DAO is the acronym. So it's an enzyme that breaks down histamine in the body. So histamine is a compound that's naturally found in food. It's also produced by the body's immune system. But in some dogs, excessive amounts of histamine can contribute to allergic reactions and like itching and scratching and redness and... You know, all of those skin symptoms with allergies, it can contribute to diarrhea as well now that I'm thinking about it. So I love kidney for allergy dogs. Right. Love it. If your dog's itchy, scratchy, grab some kidney.
1: That's good to know because you get a hell of a lot of those people on your mm. Q&A times.
0: There's other things that need to be done around that, but kidney is part of the picture Yep, that I would be recommending. Spleen. Let's talk about beef Spleen. Again, it's rich in a lot of the same vitamins and minerals as beef liver, but it's actually even higher in heme iron. So it contains five times as much total iron and nearly 30 times as much heme iron, which is that really bioavailable form of iron, compared to beef liver. Right. And beef liver is already really high. Yep. For dogs lacking iron, I guess we've already touched on this, lethargy, weakness, more prone to disease and illness. But the thing I absolutely love about spleen is its immune-enhancing properties. Mm-hmm. And this is because it secretes two specific compounds called, I always struggle to say them, tuftsin and splenopentin. Tuftsin it stimulates macrophages. So macrophages are a type of white blood cell,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they act as a first line of defence against invading pathogens. And it also helps to mobilise other white blood cells to fight against infection and cancer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A deficiency of tuftsin has been associated with more frequent infection. So, if you've got a dog again that's always getting sick in some way or other, grab some beef spleen. And the splenopentin, like Tuftsin, it has significant immune enhancing effects by not only promoting the production of white blood cells, but it's also been shown to enhance the activity of what's called natural killer cells. And these natural killer cells destroy cells that have become cancerous or infected with viruses. Mm. So I had a customer just this week. Her dog had a splenectomy, if I've said that right, had the spleen removed. Yep. And she bought organic beef spleen Mm -hmm. to help support her dog's immune system during the recovery and probably beyond.
1: Yep. Can people take all these as well?
0: So technically on my label, it Mm -hmm. says animal consumption only, but that's a regulatory requirement, but they're all 100% human grade organs. Yep. So we'll just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> so you're not recommending them for people. You're saying these are dog products, but you're saying that they are, have been ethically sourced for human consumption.
0: I'm just not allowed to promote an animal. Yeah, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know.
1: We're, we're not saying yeah. you should pop the lid and chow down on it. We're saying this is, this is a canine product, yeah. but it's human quality. Yep. All of your material is through cane and
0: Yep. If you took the same powder that's in my tubs and put them in a tub with a human label on it, yep. you could consume them. Yep. Like the exact same powder. You but could we're not con- saying you can do that. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> not while they're in my tub with animal consumption only. Right. Yep. Um, oh, regulatory stuff. Yes. Yep. yep. And look, the last one organ I want to touch on is pancreas.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Traditionally, beef pancreas was taken to support people experiencing pancreatic insufficiencies. Mm-hmm. So that's often characterized by impaired digestion, malabsorption, nutrient deficiencies, any abdominal discomfort. And the reason why pancreas is so good for those states is that it's really rich in enzymes. So you've got enzymes to break down fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. Some people have taken pancreas because of it's so rich in pancreatic enzymes – To also help with allergy symptoms because, you know, one of the drivers of allergies is large undigested food particles getting into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So the better that you can break those food particles down into smaller particles, that can be one part of supporting allergy symptoms. Yep. But I will always recommend the organic freeze-dried pancreas for dogs that have had pancreatitis. Mm -hmm. And I've actually had two vets now purchase it to use with their clients whose dogs have pancreatitis.
1: Fantastic. Good on you. Well done.
0: Yeah, so I just love that. So if you've, dogs ever had pancreatitis, again, that like support, like grab some organic freeze-dried pancreas. Yep. The spleen and the pancreas are a little bit harder to find Mm -hmm. in butchers and, you know, shops and things. So having the freeze-dried option, just takes away all that hustle of trying to drive around and find it somewhere. Yep. Okay, so we've sort of, covered the organs in general.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I guess the next step is, well, what's the benefit of having a freeze-dried product versus yep. you know the, the raw organ? So firstly, freeze-drying, it's a low temperature dehydration process. It involves freezing the product, lowering the pressure, and then removing the ice by what's called sublimation. I always struggle with that word. But sublimation is the transition of a substance directly from the solid state to the gas state, so it doesn't actually go through a liquid phase. So this is quite different to standard dehydration that evaporates water using heat. So mm-hmm. the great thing about this is that since the water is removed from the product in a frozen state at very low temperature, the cell structure remains intact and the finished product pretty much looks like the fresh counterpart before it's powdered, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if you've seen like a freeze-dried strawberry, it looks like a
1: Looks like a strawberry, strawberry. Yep.
0: The other great thing about freeze-drying, and it's an expensive process, which is, again, if you're sourcing organic meat, which is expensive in itself, and then that's going through a freeze-drying process, which is probably one of the most expensive processing methods or preserving methods, Mm. that's why things cost what they cost. But it also preserves nutrient content, the flavor and the texture. And in one uh, resource that I was reading, it says freeze-drying maintains around 97% of the food's nutritional value. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to me. The great thing about freeze drying, we can store the product at room temperature for, you know, years and years. The freeze dried organs that I sell, the expiry date is actually a couple of years longer than I put on the tub. Mm -hmm. You know, I just have a a buffer in there, but it's already a long, like, I think it's like a three year, most of them are like two or three years, Mm -hmm. but I would say that would be good for another year or two beyond that. Yep. The freeze-drain process eliminates the need for artificial preservatives or additives, again, making it a really healthy option for our pets. Mm -hmm. But I guess for me, one of the most significant benefits, I am busy and I don't have time to be making up my bulk raw meals for five dogs in batches. You know, that's why I love big dog. It's just so convenient. But it's why I love the organs because it means I don't have to go to the butcher and source raw organs and cut up organs to sort of – act as a nutritional boost to my dog's foods. You know, I open a big dog patty, which are nutritional and complete and balanced, but our dogs absolutely love the addition of the freeze dried organs on top of that. And so they love the taste. I love the nutrients they're getting for people who are vegan or vegetarian, who don't want to touch organ meats or anything, you know, super easy for them to just sprinkle some freeze dried powder We can add in more variety of organs instead of just, you know, the liver and kidney that you can get from the butcher. You can add in the pancreas and the spleen and Mm -hmm. like different types of liver. But the final point I'd like to make is that using freeze-dried organ powders, it's not just for people who prepare their own raw or cooked meals at home. So as I mentioned earlier, even dogs on a standard kibble diet, I believe would benefit enormously from rotating through the various freeze-dried organs and using them as a healthy meal topper. They wouldn't need to use as much as if someone was adding them in as a replacement for organ meat. Yep. For all of the reasons that I've mentioned throughout the podcast, if your dog is on kibble, remember that most kibbles are meeting just meeting the minimum standards and the longer that bag of food is open in your cupboard, the more those nutrients are degrading. Mm. I think the freeze dried organs are just amazing. Think of them as the multivitamin for your dog. You might take a multivitamin every day just to make sure that you're covering all your bases based on, you know, if you've got a busy, stressful lifestyle it's the same with our dogs. If you've got a busy, stressful dog, or if you've got a very active dog, they have a higher nutrient requirement. Mm. If you've got a sick dog, they have a higher nutrient requirement for recovery. Absolutely. Freeze-rate organs.
1: That's a great wealth of information. I think a lot of times when people think about organs and hear the word organs, they get a little bit squeamish about it. But as Mm. you pointed out, there's so many health benefits for it that it's surprising that people are avoiding doing it. Considering And I mentioned this at the start of the show, considering that in the wild when predators take down prey, that's the first thing that they usually do. They open the belly and they eat the intestines, they eat the organs, and then they eat the the meat and the sinews and the ligaments and all those sort of things afterwards. Mm -hmm. But usually when you're watching, you know, lions or hyenas or foxes or whatever it is, they usually start eating their organ meats first.
0: Obviously, I'm a huge fan. Look, I have seen an increase in the availability of organ meats more broadly. Yeah, that's good. Which I think is really good. So I think people are becoming aware of their value Mm -hmm. now, and I think that's just going to increase over time. So you can grab your organic freeze-dried organs from caninestuticals.com.au. Yep. And if you do have any questions, please just email info at caninestuticals.com.au and either myself or Michelle We'll be happy to help you out with any questions you might have.
1: And you've got dose rates and everything on there, haven't you?
0: Yeah, so there's dosing on the labels, so follow those.
1: Yep, and you've got QR codes on there and all sorts of things that people can scan and...
0: Get more information. Get more information. Yep.
1: Yeah, You've made it very easy for them that once they get on there, there's an ingredients panel, there is information about it, and then they can QR it and it takes them to the website and they can learn a lot more information about it right there. Absolutely. Yep.
0: Okay, so I think we'll leave it there.
1: Yep, before you go... Tell everybody all your details, how to find you, what your contact information is, everything.
0: Caninesuticles.com.au. Yep. Email info at CanineCeuticals.com.au.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Facebook and Instagram, Canine.Ceuticals mm-hmm. for both of those.
1: I think that's probably about it.
0: Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. I hope you learned something new about organs.
1: Yep. Get some organ meats in your dog. Do it. Take care.
0: Bye.